With Long Island local news on Thursday, August 10th, 2023, I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. The Suffolk County Police Benevolent Association has agreed to pay $50,000 to settle complaint. Its political action committee improperly interfered in the 2021 re-election campaign of legislator Rob Trotta, a frequent critic of the union's political influence. Vera Chinise reports on Newsday.com that the union's PAC, the Long Island Law Enforcement Foundation, supported union official and Suffolk police officer Michael Simonelli's bid for the seat held by Trotta, according to a settlement with the New York State Board of Elections. The settlement obtained by Newsday says the organization openly opposed Trotta and that Simonelli benefited from 251230 Dollars in spending by the PAC, exceeding the state's $3,262 limit for that race. The settlement state Simonelli had operational control over the PBA PAC between September 28, 2020 and October 14, 2021, more than four months after he had declared his candidacy in the 13th Legislative District. State election law forbids a candidate to be an agent of an independent expenditure committee which supports them. The settlement notes that Suffolk PBA members remit a dollar per day from their paychecks to the PBA, which funds the Long Long Island Law Enforcement Foundation's operations. In other news, stationary automated license plate readers, which have recently cropped up across the East End, are unlikely to go away anytime soon. John Paul Ferentino reporting on 27East.com that as early as 2021, the cameras, which are typically found on the shoulder of major arteries, have been employed across the South Fork. And in 2022, the Suffolk County Sheriff's Office launched a pilot program in partnership with the vendor Flock Safety to expand their use. Suffolk County Chief Deputy Sheriff Christopher Brockmeyer said the Sheriff's Office has employed license plate readers for over 15 years. Our patrol units have these devices on their vehicles. Most of our facilities have it as well, he said. In their day-to-day functionality, the readers scan the license plates of and cross-reference them against a select database of vehicles known to have been involved in various police investigations, such as stolen vehicles or missing persons, Brockmeyer noted. Quote, if there was a a certain crime committed and it was attached to a vehicle and that plate was entered on these databases, we'll issue an alert on that plate. According to Brockmeyer, the readers were placed strategically in order to keep East End communities safe. And finally, Sean Denany had a long and successful career working in the challenging television industry, and that's the determined mindset he took more than two years ago, beginning his quest to make renovations and upgrades on the grounds of the Rogers Mansion property on Meeting House Lane in Southampton Village. The mansion is considered to be Denany, uh, considered by Denany and many others to be the gem of Southampton Village with a rich history that dates back to the mid-1600s, just a few years after the 1640 initial English settlement. Keelan Riley reporting on 27East.com that the 17-room white clapboard house has had many inhabitants over the years, evolving from its original iteration as a modest salt box and was originally owned by William Rogers, who came to the colonies from England in the 1600s. The home was passed down through the generations of Rogers' family's sons and was enlarged over the years. During those times, the men of the Rogers family who lived there worked as whalers, served in the Revolutionary War, and held other positions of importance within the Southampton community. Samuel Parrish, who founded the Parrish Art Museum at the turn of the 20th century, renovated the mansion, nearly doubling its size, and set the house farther back from Main Street uh, to where it sits today with an entrance on Meeting House Lane. In 1925, Southampton Village purchased the house. The Southampton History Museum runs the operations. Tomorrow, the community will have a chance to see and celebrate all the work that has been done in the 21st century to sustain and uplift this 19th century Southampton Village treasure and help in the ongoing effort to raise more money to continue the work on the exterior of the mansion. At 5.30 p.m., the museum grounds will play host to an evening in the garden at Rogers Mansion. The event 
underwritten and catered by St. Ambrosius. For more information on Friday night's event, visit SouthamptonHistory.org. And Sean, if you can come back in to the studio, we'll get the segment started because I do want you to be part of the conversation. He's going to be joined by architect Simek Sami, who uh, joining us for the Hot Sounds segment, underwritten by Southhold Historical Museum and William Riss Gallery. Uh, I'm going to play some music while I get our guests together here in the WLIWFM studio. How about the Alalas here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM? Reading into the Hot Sound segment underwritten by Southhold Historical Museum and William Riss Gallery. Welcoming into the studio, John Ludlow, Sean Denany, and C-Mac Sammy. Thank you all so much for being here. Sean, I'll let you start by uh, letting us know who we have with us and what we're talking about today. Thank you, Gianna. Uh CMAC, Sammy, and I actually met probably 26 years ago when our children went to school at Montessori. Long time ago. We had lost contact for many years. Uh, I was in California for a while. And then recently we got engaged with looking at the Rogers Mansion. CMAC created a vision and a well-articulated plan that could be marketed and it was viable. And, and his, that's something you're very well known for, right, CMAC? I mean, you've done work for so many local organizations like the African American Museum, right? What else? Yes, what other projects? Uh, I mean, the more recent uh, activity uh, has been the uh, Southampton African American Museum, but before that, I've been involved with the village for quite a number of years, both in capacity as an architect, an urban designer, uh, in the village as the planning commissioner of the village for about 14, 15 years. Uh, and my whole career in that sense were my love of uh, urban space. Uh, and when I moved to village of Southampton, one of my main criteria was to be able to walk from my home to the village to get a cup of coffee and everything rather than getting into a car. And from that day onwards, uh, I've been uh, improving that infrastructure, that uh, walkability, if we want to call it. Uh, and... Uh, 
I remember one of those days walking down Main Street and seeing this dirt alley. And as a kid, I remember back uh, in my childhood, I always used to explore the neighborhood, not through the main streets, but through alleys and backyards and uh, and so on, and explore basically other paths. And so I go down there, and sure enough, I come across uh, the back door of uh, the Rogers Mansion. Uh, wow. Rogers Mansion, and I say, "Oh, this is great!" Because uh, Rogers Mansion, everybody uh, has a, a, a issue with going down Main Street and taking a right on Jobs Lane and missing such a jewel of a uh, history of Southampton. And I went to uh, uh, the museum authorities at the time and I said, why don't we uh, open up a doorway to an entrance to the museum from Main Street? And that was the start of it. And especially once I started reading and learning more about the history of uh, uh, the mansion, where Mr. Samuel Parrish back in the days used to walk uh, uh, across Main Street uh, to where uh, the original entrance to the parish museum was on Main Street, right pretty much next to the village hall. Right. So uh, my effort throughout the past uh, 20 years or so since the parish museum left uh, uh, was to recreate that pathway. Uh, it first started with uh, the design of uh, the alleyway from Main Street uh, where San Ambrose also uh, uh, set up tables over there to liven up that pathway. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it works fantastic. I mean, this is a precedent that we have all over the world. And I was always thinking, why don't we take more advantage of these little things? And those were the days that restaurants still did not have any seats outdoors and so forth. Mm -hmm. So we pushed for that while I was at the planning commission uh, to open up uh, and have more activity on the sidewalks of the village. So that started with that alleyway. Then uh, next was the uh, path next to the village hall where uh, at the time Silver's Restaurant set up tables. Also, lately, uh, we recreated the path from the back of the village hall to the original entrance of the the parish museum, which presently is the Southampton Arts Center. Uh, so the Southampton Arts Center has now uh, a walkable path that Mr. Samuel Parrish used to uh, take. Uh, I didn't know that, about that pathway. Oh, it just got finished about, uh, I'd say, six months ago. Uh, that also uh, extended itself to the Caesars Walk and the terrace uh, post-COVID, uh, where uh, actually during COVID, where uh, indoor activities were very limited, uh, we started looking at... Uh, Re uh, basically livening up all our exterior spaces, beautiful exterior spaces. Mr. Parrish, uh, when he created the museum, uh, with that and in line with that, he created an arboretum. Uh, he brought something about 200 specimens of trees from Queens back in 1898 or so. So the grounds of the uh, museum are just as special. And, uh, and, and you and can feel it. Absolutely. I mean, we... Uh, restored the fountain on the east side. Uh, our next project is the restoration of the fountain on the west side. There are the uh, little reflective pool over there. Uh, we opened up an entrance uh, from Job's Lane to the grounds, which was more of a uh, excluded uh, and, and, and private type of ground. And we've opened it up to the public in that sense by producing, introducing more entries and uh, entrances to these grounds of the arboretum. Uh, we're going to be pushing for development and improvement of those entrances also on the north side where the parking is. These are our next goals. and Unbelievable. Simic, so. I'm so unbelievably honored to have you in the studio. And Sean was absolutely right in describing you as someone who's obviously underappreciated and underthanked for being the passionate professional you are. Someone who, you know... You can't. You obviously can't help but make better the, the place, uh, the places around you. Well, it's a love that we all have in our hearts for our place of living. Yes. And uh, anything that could improve it uh, and benefit all, it just brings the community together, stronger, better. And if we have a better community, we have a better life. Amen. All right. So let's let's bring it back to to Rogers Mansion. How have you, uh, how have you been applying? Uh, your vision to those grounds 
uh, most recently? Uh, to the grounds of the Rogers Mansion, we uh, basically, uh, you'd think that that should be the starting point, but uh, the way all this has been developing, uh, it's at the tail end of it. So uh, we created all these pathways, and now we're back uh, at the grounds of the Rogers Mansion. Because I Mansion. know, I know, and, and uh, as, so I know for Rogers Mansion, uh, foundationally, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Absolutely, absolutely. So as an architect, can you talk a little bit about what this uh, really, the, the big the big parts uh, of this project is going to be now that you've you've improved all the pathways around? So uh, when one visits the uh, museum, obviously Rogers Mansion is the key uh, structure and the main uh, pride of that uh, collection. But uh, from my perspective, uh, being Southampton, uh, one of the oldest uh, villages in the country, uh, dating back to 1648, actually, its inception, and the collection of uh, all those shops and uh, uh, little uh, schoolhouses and so forth that uh, harks back to where we started. Uh, they're all there. But there's a haphazard organization of those. I mean, there is a creation of a, a linear uh, grouping of these structures all along uh, the eastern side of the property. But there's not any sequential uh, connection between these. One, uh, uh, one... Uh, enters the property, obviously uh, the Rogers Mansion has a path going straight to its front door, but uh, there is not much of a path to, to the rest of the structures, and there's no organization to that. So uh, we... Uh, you're talking about the collection of buildings, like a, like a blacksmith shop. What else is there? There's, uh, there's a number there's of There's a school building, there's right. a painter's shop, the blacksmith shop, the carpenter's shop, the... Uh, duck decoy <laughs> maker. Uh, You're right, uh, and else? and he's corn right crib. about that. Uh, corn crib. The corn crib, which we recently moved to uh, the corner on that spot. Uh, and two outhouses. And two outhouses, and of course uh, the barn, a uh, couple of barns, if you may. Uh, but uh, there's no organizer, even though they start creating a, a sense of a grouping. Uh, nothing brings them together quite well. And that's where uh, I'm stepping in. Uh, we're creating, uh, basically we came up with the idea of an uh, amphitheater uh, where uh, summers uh, we can have performances, but this amphitheater, uh, which steps down with the topography of the site, uh, creates a brick park walkway uh, that ties all these structures to one another. And the start of this uh, walk basically is the north side of the Rogers Mansion uh, with a trellis that we just completed, what, uh, yesterday? <laughs> just about. <laughs> uh, which I invite all uh, to come and see. There's different paths to that uh, trellis. Uh, one is from Meeting House Lane. If you come up um, past the Rogers Mansion, go to the north side of it, you'll see the trellis, and that will be the start of this so-called tour of the uh, old uh, Southampton village. The other path is the uh, Main Street uh, walk, uh, which St. Ambrose has the tables. Just want to emphasize that that is not a private walk. That's a public walk. Uh, by all means, if you ever feel like it, walk through and pass those tables and diners and, uh, and feel uh, all entitled to it. Uh, and, Love it. Uh, once you go down that walkway, uh, you'll come back uh, to the uh, north side of the uh, uh, Rogers Mansion. Over there, we've created uh, what we call uh, uh, two small uh, piazzas. Uh, Italians uh, were masters of that in the center of the town. And that is basically a center of our town uh, on the grounds of the History Museum, uh, which is basically a paved uh, brick patio uh, uh, large enough to... Uh, entertain small groups uh, for ac activities, events that the museum can use for fundraising, which they desperately do need, uh, and the trellis that uh, marks the beginning of this so-called tour of uh, the structures underground. So speaking of that fundraising uh, and that needed um, engagement from and with the community, 5.30 tonight, an evening in the garden at Rogers Mansion. Sean, do you want to talk a little bit about this event and introduce John to us? Uh, yes, uh, we were looking for uh, a form of entertainment that would be
be representative of what the museum uh, should be and is offering. Um, coming from the entertainment business myself, I wanted music that was very representative of conversation, not a loud band, something very soft and smooth. And I, I love Brazilian music. I had not known that John was involved with the Brazilian group until last summer right. when I met him at a party. Um, in addition, we're also having a mentalist and a character artist, but the whole background to this will really be Brazilian music. And, and John has a group that I just think is incredible um, to have at any event. John, what's your group called? I'm I'm gonna look you guys up so I can play so I can play something from so, you guys on the back end of this. This is uh, Ludmilla Brazil and Marcelo Pimenta, and myself, and we've been playing together for 15 years, and under different names. Usually, it's Ludmilla is the leader, Ludmilla Brazil, um, but depending on who contracted the gig, Ludmilla Brazil and say again, Marcelo Pimenta, okay, singer and guitarist. Tell me a little bit about uh, forming the band, or, or how you've, who you've played with, and how you know how you began uh, playing music to begin with. So I started, I started playing at ten, um, studying with Hal McCusick, who lived in Sag Harbor, uh, jazz legend. Played with Charlie Parker, Billy Holiday. Unbelievable. He played with them, um, and so that was my. You grew up in Sag. Bridgehampton. Okay. Yeah. But he was the my inspiration for playing. So I just, it was a natural fit, me and the saxophone. And um, I think by... You play the sax? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, you mentioned Charlie Parker. Yeah. Unbelievable. Alto? Alto. Oh, my sure. God. I used to play alto sax. You did? Wow. Nice. Nothing like you, I'm sure. So, so tell us more. Tell us everything. So, yeah, so I studied with Hal, and I guess at 18 or 19, just started to play gigs. People would call, say, I'm, I'm having this party, can you put together a band? And I'd say, sure, put it together, and then it's increased year by year, um, and now I'm busy in the summer. Can I find you? Can I find you on iTunes, any tracks that you're on? I think if you go, I think so, yeah. Tell me what to search. Uh S-A-M-B-E-T-T-E. Some bet. Featuring the tropical people? No. John Ludlow, I found you. Yeah. All right. Let's hear it. Let's hear him. Hold on. We'll be right back here on WLIWFM NPR Radio.
John Ludlow, Sambet from uh, it's it's a single it's a brand new single you mentioned so you recorded this at Marcelo's studio studio yep at his house in East Quag and we need to correct ourselves the party's not till tomorrow night so if you have plans tonight don't worry about it it's not till tomorrow night that an evening in the garden at Rogers Mansion is taking uh, place underwritten and catered by San Ambrogius so when you're uh, hopping past the diners of San Ambrosius to go to the events, you don't have to miss out because it looks like you're going to be getting to eat as well. And here are the smooth stylings of John Ludlow along with uh, Ludmila Brazil and Marcelo Pimenta. You want to talk a little bit more about that couple of incredible artists? Sure. Yeah, we we met... Um, like 15 years ago, they were playing at Fresno in East Hampton. Um, and a drummer invited me, Mike Guglielmo, who's playing with them, invited me to sit in. So I came and sat in, and we hit it off. And um, it's a unique band. Ludmilla sings incredibly, beautifully. Um, and we have, I'll harmonize her. And so we'll work and improvise off each other. Um, which is unique, and Marcelo just lays down the bass. He's the trio of the band. He's laying down the bass, the guitar, and the drums with the rhythm. So all in a guitar, um, which is unique. So it's a really nice group, fantastic musicians, and we're looking forward to it. Oh, my gosh. So are we. All right, so I'm going to give you guys the information one more time. SouthamptonHistory.org. Uh, to get tickets, I imagine, find out more information. Sean, is there anything that we left out that you want to make sure folks know about this event and about uh, the foundation, the organization? Uh, this is the first event we've really had at the Rogers Mansion of this nature to show off the grounds. There's many people who have lived here for years that have not walked by. Um, the lighting hopefully will be done by tomorrow evening. The place has never been lit up before, so it's oh, an exposure awesome. that we think our campus, as I, as you mentioned before, when you walk down Main Street, you'll want to make a left onto Meeting House Lane because it will be such a beautiful site. And being a public museum, you're welcome to walk and browse around our campus. So if you can join us, please do. And if you can't, Rogers Mansion will still be there next week. SouthamptonHistory.org for more information. I'm Gianna Volpe. That was John Ludlow, Sean Denany, and C-Mac Sammy. I'm Gianna Volpe. Uh, this was the Hot Sounds segment underwritten by South Hold Historical Museum and William Riss Gallery. Mm-hmm. This is Pink Floyd, and you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome, and you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
Nice three-decade jump forward in time from Pink Floyd's Breathe in the Air on the Dark Side of the Mood record to the White Stripes, the Air Near My Fingers, and the Elephant record of 2003. I'm going to hop back 
to the 70s for this next one. Quicksilver Messenger Service, uh, Fresh Air from the Just for Love record, 21 Pilots Air Catcher from their self-titled record of 2009 after that. Steve Miller Band with Jet Airliner from 73, the same year that Pink Floyd did Dark Side of the Moon. And if we have any time after that, a little Judy Carmichael and her uh, version of Airmail Special leading you into the NPR news break at the top of the hour and the end of the Walking on Air edition of The Heart uh, in honor of Dr. Susan Powers and her book, Walking on Air, Embracing the Uncertainties of Life. Deep bow to our other guests, Simek Sammy, uh, John Ludlow, and Sean Denany, uh, as well as our underwriters, Grace and Grit, Southhold Historical Museum, William Riss Gallery, and listeners like you who donate. We will be back.
WLIWFM, the only place you can hear Quicksilver Messenger Service, followed by 21, 21 Pilots, 88.3 and 96.9 throughout the East End and Central and Western Suffolk County, online at WLIW.org slash radio. WLIWFM news you can trust, music you love.
That's the show, folks. Thank you so much for being with us. Stay tuned and stay awesome. You're listening to WLIWFM. News you can trust. Music you love. On 88.3 and 96.9 FM. Streaming online at WLIW.org slash radio.